and welcome to Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. Episodio número 20. Híjole, 20 ya. Yeah, I know, it's about to be a, you know, turn 21, he's about to be oh, able man. to drink and take her to Vegas and <laughs> all that stuff. Finally, right? Yeah, man. How you doing today, Chaparro? Doing good, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. You know, we're we're on the, kind of like in the ends of the summer for a lot of people that went back to school today. I know. A lot of people went to school today. Right. Um, did Ryan already go back to yeah, school? Today, yeah, today actually, yeah. How was it? You know your uh, sophomore, senior? Uh, sophomore. Sophomore, man. That boy has a, a <laughs> face for a model, man. The fade <laughs> and everything. It's growing, man. It's growing. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually, it's a very special guest special that we have today. Guest. Yes. Like every other guest that we have. Of course. Uh, and before that, we would like to say thank you for, for spending a little bit of your busy schedule schedule with us yes. uh it's meaningful um because we're gonna get to know a little more on the inside of what's going on in the leadership part of austin um especially through the city and our guest for this evening is vanessa fuentes austin city councilwoman representing district two nice 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 district two eh yes so um before we get started uh you can introduce yourself uh i want to ask you how are you feeling vanessa because there's a lot of stuff that's going on yeah i mean there's so much going on in the world today you know on a federal national level but also here locally mm -hmm. um but i feel i feel very hopeful you know we got um the fda approved fully the pfizer vaccine which is huge news for us and so I feel really good. I feel hopeful that we're going to get out of this pandemic, hopefully sooner rather than rather than later. Good. Right. Right. And uh, uh, with everything that's going on, what uh, what do you do to remain sane? Mm. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I always make jokes to my friends that, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of hobbies because <laughs> <laughs> because I'm always out there in the communities like right. my hobby is volunteering and being out there. And now that I've been like, I now I'm getting like, I'm a professional public servant. Um, uh, you know, I keep super busy, but what I try to do is to always carve out time to spend time with my family. And so this past weekend, I got to go visit my sisters who live in San Angelo and West Texas, and I got to spend the weekend with them. So having time with them, relaxing is is rejuvenating for me and i feel very refreshed and, and ready to tackle this week did you drive or you flew to san angelo oh i drove yeah yeah man how was that drive <laughs> it wasn't too bad okay. you know it's through the hill country so uh, it's very you know beautiful seeing all of the hills and seeing <laughs> our nice texas landscape so it was it was nice it was good what do you think, Chaparro? No, that's good. I, I feel like uh, for most of us, uh, being with family, we kind of like let go of everything and just enjoy the moments. And especially those moments, you you gotta you gotta remember and and and, and you know be there uh, fully as a as a as a part of the family, right? And um, I like that that uh, just like us, you know, being with family, um, it's the way of you keeping keeping you sane. So, oh yeah. 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 And they definitely keep, keep me humble. You know, <laughs> your family is like your toughest critics. They tell you like they see it, you know, especially in a Latino, I, my family's Mexican. And so it's, it's, they definitely keep it real all the time. So. Mucha comida, me imagino. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. My wife is the one that keeps me humble. Well, my, my nephews and nieces, my parents, oh, everybody. 
I, yeah, same. Like, we all keep each other in yeah, check. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, would you um, be good with introducing yourself, where you're originally from, and, you know, uh, when did you move to Austin if you're not originally from Austin? And any, I know you said that you don't have a lot of hobbies, but any fun facts about you? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I grew up in a small town in central Texas called Brady. It's the geographical center of Texas. It has about 5,000 people. So imagine a town with just a handful of stoplights, you know, really just very easy to get in and out. Um, my dad is from El Paso and my mom is from Mexico. And so growing up in an immigrant family in rural Texas was definitely different and challenging in its own ways. Um, but as soon as I graduated from high school, within a month, I moved to Austin. And Austin is a city I've called home for the last 16 years. And it's the city where, you know, I've decided that this is where I'm going to raise my family in. And so it's where I'm putting my roots. And um, I was very fortunate to come here to go to school at UT Austin to hook them horns for yeah. any Longhorns watching <laughs> or listening, I should say. <laughs> um, and, you know, like many Austinites, I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the, the vibe, the music, the culture, even though I think we still have a lot more to do on the cultura part, you yes. know, and really embracing, um, Austin's diversity. It, you know, Austin is the city that, that I've decided that this is my place. And so, um, what I like to do for fun is to, um, you know, I was, with friends on, on Friday. And I said, you know, as you get older in Austin, you, so I got to experience Austin as a college student and then as someone like a young professional. And then now someone who's in my thirties, you experience it much differently. So rather than going out on dirty six or <laughs> to E six, now you just go to your neighborhood bar and it's, it's much different. So. It is indeed. I don't know. We were, I was actually, I, I passed by 36 on Thursday. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I went to a comedy show and, you know, there's Las Perlas and we went there. It's a whole different vibe there now, like, especially for us, you know, in our 30s, like you said, it's just uh, not the same anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, it's part of it because of the age, too, right, but right. also because Austin's changing so true, rapidly, right, too. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's just different. I, it was changing. A lot of the stuff is changing for the good. Some of it is not for the great, but yeah, I mean, the, like any 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 uh, city, there's always going to be challenges and and you know room to grow, right? Yeah, and I think having leadership, especially as a Latina a woman in particular, yes, it is having your perspective on on leading and not leading but serving right. the city. It's it's meaningful. Um, can you? Uh, provide a little information of when did you first decided to when did you first run for a city council seat yeah well you know first i'm gonna keep it real with you all i am only the sixth latina to ever run for austin city council wow. right and i'm the second to have been elected and so that's important to point out because austin is a city that has been around for over 100 years and Latinos represent more than a third of the population. And yet the representation that we've had at the local level has been really lacking. And so I always want, like to point out that I really stand 
on the shoulders of the Latinas who blazed the trail before me. Um, and then point out that I'm only the second ever to serve on, on the, on the city council. And that's not okay. That's not okay. You know, before the changing of the the district structures of Austin, Mm -hmm. we always had one Latino perspective, but now today we have three Latinos on city council and I represent the Latina perspective, but I do have two compañeros who, who also Mm -hmm. serve on the council. How many, um, I would say sections or, or districts are in, in the city. Yeah. So there's 10, oh. 10 districts. Yeah. So we got 10%. That's good. <laughs> well, actually Boys, 30%, yeah. but 1%, you know, women. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just crazy um, that that is um, the level of rep- like how long we had to wait to get this level of representation. And we just know that when we have, Diverse voices at the table. Our decision making is stronger, and um, we just make better policies for the community because we have different perspectives represented. Um, and so it's 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 wild to think about. And, and you know, Austin is the eleventh largest city in the country. We were almost going to hit the top ten, but we didn't. And I'm, I'm sure later in this conversation we'll talk about why I think we didn't hit the top ten. Um, but so we're a growing city and our, our diversity should reflect it. And what was the, whenever you were running your campaign for city council, what was the most challenging part of, of the campaign trail? Yeah. Running in a pandemic in a global pandemic. Can you imagine? It was so wild because I didn't have a traditional campaign. Like, we didn't have rallies. We didn't do, um, you know, door knocking. We didn't do those things, the traditional elements of trying to to run a campaign and build a movement were much different because, and especially for me, so I represent Southeast Austin. Okay. Um, and my district is um, District 2, so it's primarily east of 35 south of Ben White, and then a little bit on the west side of I-35 from Stasney to Slaughter. Um, and so representing Southeast Austin, we had, we were disproportionately affected by COVID. You know, we were having high rates of coronavirus. We were having high hospitalizations. And um, so a lot of my campaigning was trying to be a voice to the community to tell the city of Austin to step up, to put um, PPE distributions in, in my community to do testing sites in the community, uh, and then now vaccines. But so it, it definitely, if anything, it was challenging because I couldn't connect to people in person. Um, so we did a lot of social media, grassroots fundraising, um, and a lot of everything was virtual. I never had an in-person fundraiser. Um, so it was, it was wild running in a pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like, like really, really tough things to to you know manage. And um, did you did you ever like feel like you know uh, giving up or 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 not continuing to uh, with the campaign or anything like that? No, because if anything, it like this like the stakes of what I was trying to do were even clearer. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that the community is in crisis and we need a strong voice, and I want to be that voice and if not me then who right? right and that's what you always for people and i always talk to people who run for office and it's like you feel that calling of of knowing that your community needs to have 
a voice at the table and and wanting to be that voice at the table. So. And it's uh, I mean, in that part of East Austin, it's changing because you were you lived there for a while, right? I, I didn't live there for a while, but I used to like hang around there a lot when I was younger. And yeah, it's it's changed so much. Like it's it's different. The houses, everything there. It's it's just uh, it's it looks. Oh yeah, good to we me. we like to when you drive around <laughs> yes. and you see you can. We, you know, we call it the gentrification yes, font, yeah. yes. you know, <laughs> you can see, okay, these, these houses are now <laughs> right. And then like, say for you, what do you, what do you think now that, you know, it's become gentrified? What, uh, what, because my wife is always telling me, you know, like there's a lot of gentrification, a lot of people that California people are moving in, right. but my point of view is, because I'm not from here, so I would say, I mean, if it's going to help the the city in a better place, why not? As long as everybody gets a piece of the cake. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is that you know, I alluded earlier about the reason everyone thought Austin was going to be in the top 10 and that we we're going to hit that 10th largest city in America. But all, what we found is that we didn't. And I believe strongly that it's because of the displacement, you know, because of how unaffordable Austin is becoming. We are driving out the everyday working class Austinite and they're they're having to move uh, to the suburbs and to, you know, Buda, Kyle, Taylor, like Maynard, there's. Yeah, yeah Maynard. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're driving out our, our people who, by and large, built this city, you know, and, um, and that's what it to me, what how I view my role is as a defender, you know, someone who is saying, yes, we are changing. We are a growing city. There's no silver bullet for gentrification addressing it. You can't once it's started, it's very, very hard to stop it. Mm-hmm. The things that make Austin Austin, we can't take that away. And that's why people moved to Austin is for the vibe and the way we have a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And you can't, why would we want to take that part away, right? Mm-hmm. So what I had to do as a policymaker is to ensure that the changes are hap- that are happening benefit the community that live here. And that we grow together, but never at the expense of the people who call Austin home. Mm. And it, it's it's very challenging. There are a lot of tough days, um, but it's about ensuring that, you know, Austinites don't get left behind. Mm-hmm. And tough days. Um, and also, that also goes with whenever you're, I don't know, like say, I, 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 I keep up with some politicians, uh, mainly because I'm a DACA recipient, so... I'm always like, I'm always, and they're saying like in, uh, in Spanish, they're saying you're always living with, con el cuchillo entre los dientes <laughs> because you never know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, you can be fine for a couple of months and then after that, you know, someone can write off or, or do a, some kind of restriction like it was a couple of weeks ago. And you're like, God dang it, you know, we were doing so good. And then this guy came and, and threw off everything. But how do you, because um, a lot of it is whenever you're, you're trying to propose uh, I would say a plan and you, or you want to implement something in a city, you deal with debating, you deal with, you know, talking with the opposite side. What's it like for you as a Latina woman in, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a place where out of the 10 districts is 30% 
you know, represented by Latinos and then 1% by, by a woman, I mean, 10% by a woman. How, how, how is that for you preparing for, for those tough debates? It's challenging. You know, I will say as a Latina, as a woman of color, we're always, not always, I shouldn't say always, but there are inherent differences in how we're treated. And also because of my age, you know, many of my colleagues are, not many, but like several of my colleagues <laughs> are in their 70s and mm -hmm. 60s, you know, yeah. and some have PhDs and yeah. law degrees. Right. And I come from a very working class family. I'm a first generation college student. And so I know every day that I'm there on the dais, like that my store, that my perspective is unique because the people I'm serving with, they don't have the live experiences that I have. Mm. Do I get treated differently? Absolutely. For my age and my background and because I'm Latina. a Latina. Right. Um, and that, that part is challenging, I'm not gonna lie. And, but the way I have been able to cope with it is, you know, you gotta, you gotta work twice as hard. And so I always come prepared. Mm -hmm. I do my homework and I always speak from a place of talking about the facts and not trying to make things personal. There's nothing to be gained by attacking a colleague on an, on an issue that you don't agree with. Right. And I think if I just keep it rooted on the facts and on the policy, they may not agree with me, but at least they'll have to respect me and where I'm coming from. That's good. Um, especially because I've been following you ever since the podcast started because I heard about your name and I heard you wanted like, oh man, that's so cool. I'm going to have her on a podcast one day. <laughs> and, 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 and then, uh, and I actually, I did say yeah. And then, uh, one thing that, that I was, uh, how you said right now is you don't, you, you don't base everything off attacks, especially because now in politics or the serving part of politics, everything's attacks from both sides. Um, and, and you're not doing that, which does have a benefit for you. But like you said, people respect you because you come prepared. Yes. Yeah. You come to debate, but it's on policy base, not on you did something. I don't know. You sneezed the wrong way one day. And just because of that, I'm gonna call you out. So I'm very like, I'm glad to, you know, that and I'm, I'm personally, I'm glad the fact that you're what you said, like, it, it makes sense because that's an example for a lot of people to follow um, in, in both sides. Right. What yeah, I will yeah, say yeah. it's harder. Like we can't, especially people of color, when you're on a public stage, <clears throat> We can't make mistakes like other people can make mistakes. Mm. You know, we are judged to a different level. We're held to higher standard. Right. So it's not as e easy, easy for us mm. to mess up. And trust me, I mean, we're all human. And of course, I'll make mistakes. <laughs> I have made mistakes. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just knowing that it's there's a bigger spotlight on it because of my background. I also I also like what, what you said about we, we Latinos have to work double or harder than other Uh, you know, racist just because we're Latinos, but it's, it's, uh, it's true though. But, and then we're used to that, you know, we, 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 we can do that. We don't mind that we can work double and we can get it done. That's, that, yeah. I, I feel like that's, that's yeah. really true. And adding it's in to our blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's in our blood. And I think adding to that is we know we can work hard. Yeah. We know that's, we can, we can do the work, but it's the connection, the connecting part of doing the work and putting it on paper so it can be a policy that we we tend to struggle and or 
I, I feel like a lot of times as Latinos, we're afraid to to do the the double work because we don't want to feel exposed. But I mean, from what you're doing, it's like, no, you actually can't do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to learn how to do it the Vanessa way. (laughs) Well, you know what? And also my district is 20% immigrant. Okay. And, um, you know, mixed status. And so for me too, it's very important for me. Like I'm not like the best at speaking Spanish, but I do speak it and I understand it completely. And so it is for me to address that, that fear or that hesitancy. Um, I'm very proactive in it and letting people know I, we, the government are here to serve you. Right. You know, you have a role in what we do and what we prioritize And so I hope I'm able to, you know, let the people in to the process, the local government. That's good. That's good. It's good to have a voice, you know. Yeah. And then it's just, it's, uh, I mean, representing, uh, uh, especially a district that's, you know, a percentage of Latinas, it's, it's tough because a lot of the times the infrastructure is not there compared to other districts that haven't made yeah and now now jumping into the community part um as you're reaching out and you know there's challenges right now we're uh, whenever we did the outline for this podcast we were it was a new thing but now the the variant is actually an an, not a new variant but a present variant you know and it's it's affecting so many people you know worldwide that's what it seems like and what, how do you, um, what can you say to, to everyone here that have a different perspective about not getting that vaccine, about thinking that there's still some belief that COVID is not something real or the new variant is not going to hit us like the old one. They're just making up stuff and it will go away. What can you tell that, you know, that listener right there that has doubts and, and is rebelling to a point? Yeah, you know, I would say that, you know, the virus is something that is real and that there's not there's no other reason why we would shut down. We would do a lockdown in the city. Right. And why we would be ordered to shelter in place and why globally countries have had to you know, enforce higher standards and stricter standards and um, and now even mandates. Right. To get the vaccine. Um, and so we, you wouldn't see countries going to this level if it wasn't something so serious. Here in Austin, Travis County, we've had over 900 people die from coronavirus. And half of those individuals have been Latino. So we are at a higher risk level to not only get the virus, but to die from it. And right now, the people who are in the hospital over 99% of the people who are hospitalized with the virus have not been vaccinated. So think about that. If the, the easiest thing you can do is to get the shot and prevent, you know, getting hospitalized with the virus and then potentially even dying. And it's like, all you have to do is just take a jab, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, my experience when I got the vaccine, um, I did not have any serious symptoms. I didn't really even feel anything afterwards. Um, And so I tell people who have loved ones and we all have loved ones. I have a sister who refuses to get the vaccine. (sighs) You know, we got to just have patience 
and have multiple conversations. It's not just a one and done. You got to keep talking about it Mm -hmm. and point out, um, you know, how important it is. And if we want to, you know, we're on what, 15, 16 months of the pandemic. We want to go back to normal. We Mm -hmm. have to get more people getting the vaccine and the virus is mutating. So the quicker we can get people getting the vaccine, the faster we'll be able to get out of this pandemic. Out of the Austin population, uh, like what's the percentage of people that have been vaccinated? Yeah, so with one dose, with the first dose, we've reached 70%, which is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for the second dose, I mean, we're over 50%, but we're still, you know, lagging because you have to wait a certain time. Um, But in my district, I have the least vaccinated zip code, which is in the 50%. Uh, and my district is predominantly Latino. It's over 70% mm-hmm. Latino. Um, so we're still, you know, we got to get a little bit higher than that. And we got to make sure as many people can get vaccinated. And um, fortunately, we are one of the leaders in the state for vaccination rates. Yes. But it's still a very deadly virus. And so we got to do, we got to make sure that we keep having those conversations. I have an idea. I don't know if you can agree. <laughs> uh, we should do because uh, right now there's I know I know there was in Houston they were doing fifty bucks for the vaccination or something like that. We should yes. you know there's cuantos tacos, nixta, uh, la tunita, which other ones are right there in the la mafia taco mafia. Puro taquitos. We should we should be like tres al pastor por una vacuna. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, we should totally do that. Para you see, and there's incentive. We got to have incentives for right. folks. Make it easy and then give them something on top of it, too. Pero que será, que será que la gente no cree? Que será lo que previene a la gente, especialmente a la latina, y no creer que la vacuna funciona, hace su trabajo y ayuda a combatir de alguna forma el virus, ¿no? ¿Tú qué crees que es lo que las personas piensan o cuál sería el miedo que tienen de ponerse la vacuna? Well, I mean, la cosa que yo oigo más uh-huh. es sobre, uh, porque era, era muy rápido uh-huh. con la vacuna. Sí, sí, sí. And what I have to tell people is that the vaccine wasn't just created in months. It was actually built on years and years of research. And the research that um, helped us get the vaccine out so quickly was from years like 2007. Don't quote, I don't want to put a date up right, actually. Right. <laughs> but it was like years in the making. Right. And because every year we're putting money into medical research. Um, and so there's a lot of hesitancy about how quickly it came online. But with the FDA announcement today, a fully putting full approval, that's huge. And because it's been fully approved by the by the FDA and we already knew it was safe. Right. right. But now it's like, OK, it's official, official, official. Mm-hmm. I hope that that will help people right. get more vaccinated. And that's the one thing I do hear the same is a lot of people are like, whoa, it's too soon. I'm like, yes, but it's something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's something to help to, help, I, to help out. I don't know, but I, I was really happy when we found something that it was going to, you know, fight it. So I was like, I'm glad, you know, that. Uh, at least we have something and, uh, and it's working. Yeah. yeah. And that's right. the thing. People are like, well, you can still get the virus if you're vaccinated. And it's like, yes, you can still get the virus, but you won't get, you won't have, be nearly as likely to get hospitalized and you won't die from it. Exactly. You know, those are the people who are having severe illness 
are the ones who are not vaccinated. And so if you get the vaccine, you're better able to fight it. Escúchenos, escúchenos. Pónganse la vacuna, vayan a vacunarse. Seguro, ya está aprobado, que seguro. Así que háganlo, háganlo por su familia, háganlo por su vecino, por el que sea, a todos los que nos escuchan. Sí, sí. Pónganse la vacuna. Sí, honestamente, bueno, yo personalmente eh, he repartido comida china desde el 2019 y de hecho me hice las, los primer, las primeras pruebas cuando Moderna empezó a dar, a pagar a la gente. El guinea pig. Eh, fui el guinea pig. Oh, really? You're part of it, that's awesome. Oh, sí. Fui y luego el mismo día me fui a jugar fútbol. <risa> y luego no sentí nada. Y luego la segunda no podía ir porque me casé ese fin de semana en Las Vegas. Y luego ya, la, ya después de ocho meses dije, ok, voy a hacer otra vez. Y empecé con la Pfizer y fui a jugar fútbol ese día. Y luego en la segunda, igual, uh -huh. me la puse al, al mes después y fui a jugar fútbol esa, esa misma noche. Y tú también. Igual, ¿no? igual. <laughs> I was the same too. I got my vaccine that day and then I had a game. So we went and played. We played. I played the next day because we had another game on Friday. <laughs> and then I played Sunday as well. So, yeah, I was fine. Nothing happened to me. So. Y, y andamos, andamos crudos. <laughs> es cierto, mamá. <laughs> hey, pero es, es muy importante de hablar sobre tu experiencia porque that's another way that we found that has helped people yes. get the vaccine is mm -hmm. hearing from others about their experience. Because some people think, oh, if I get it, I'm going to have to miss work. I'm going to be sick. Mm -hmm. And it's like the more you talk about it and say, no, I actually was fine. <laughs> but even like a lot of a lot of companies now are paying for the time you take off or, or say you go you work half a day they pay for the remainder of the day or oh yeah yeah and and sabes que es que aquí in austin si gares la vacuna en una clinica de austin public health mm -hmm. te van a dar 50 dólares de hb oh, so wow. gares un um tarjeta de hb gift card de 50 dólares por la primer dosis our primer dos y entonces cuando hagas la segunda dos te van a dar otro 50 dólares imagínate qué más quiere o sea eso está perfecto sí, sí hombre te eh. das cuenta para la, la raza que quieres una carne asada pues ahí está el dinero <ríe> para la cerveza y la rachera that's good I mean something we gotta you know encourage people and if it, this is takes that what it takes if yeah. that's what it takes yeah especially because other parts of the world don't have the infrastructure that we have mm -hmm. so they're just like have cousins that are just now getting their first dose and they're in Mexico and that's our neighbor yeah so, right and I'm always here so yeah and we have so many vaccines out there for everyone of everyone that needs it you know you can even go to the Austin FC game and you can get a vaccine right there yes yes sir True. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, are you gonna are you gonna go for the the fourth and the fifth shot? <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Like, can we, can I go get another? Shot? <laughs> We're gonna have to need because. So yes, a booster shot. Booster we'll shot. have to get one. We'll all have to get a booster shot. Yeah. Um, okay. Eight months from the second dose that we had. Um, and that's mostly because people, we don't have enough people getting vaccinated at the rate to reach herd immunity. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay, my November then, my booster shot. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, now another another topic, it's uh, voter suppression. What uh, What's going on? Um, because in Texas, there was some kind of, I guess, a standoff um, for something that was going to happen. And what uh, can you explain a little bit of 
to the audience because we were, we're trying to get reach out to everyone available, not just Republican or Democrats, but everyone that's interested. What uh, what's going on, or what's the work in regards to border suppression? Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing: in Texas, we had the highest voter turnout to date this last election in 2020, highest record of voter turnout. So we are voting at higher level levels than ever before. But we have certain legislators who've decided that they want to make it harder to vote, that it's not okay for us to have these record numbers. And so they have introduced legislation that restricts the hours of voting, that restricts, um, you know, how you can send people just information about mail-in ballots. We were just got out of a pan or still in the pandemic, but we did the election in the pandemic. And what we were doing or what some uh, counties were doing, were sending applications to vote by mail so that people, if they felt unsafe going, um, you know, in person to vote, they can vote by mail. And there are other states in this country that do entire elections voting by mail. Mm -hmm. And yet here in Texas, we want to make it harder. And we have to really have to question the motives for that. You know, who are they trying to keep from the ballot box? And it's people of color, it's the elderly, and it's people with disabilities. And so they're really targeting um, vulnerable people and people that, you know, should have their voice heard. And that's not really what we should be focusing on, voter suppression Mm -hmm. in the midst of a pandemic and after the uh, winter storm. Like there are a lot of things that our state lawmakers should be focusing on, um, but they're trying to make it harder to vote. So. Ay, ay, ay. ¿Qué podemos hacer, Chaparro? <laughs> we, we need to have more Vanessas. Yeah. <laughs> we can't let them win. So if you voices. are a voter, go vote, vote every single election that you can vote in. And if you're not registered, get registered if you can vote. So. Right. Um, look what happened in Georgia. Or was it Pennsylvania? Yes. And no, Georgia. Right. They mm-hmm. elected two statewide Democrats mm-hmm. um, to the United States Senate. Right. It, Incredible things ha- right. can happen. Right. right. And even now, like, um, now this, this is going to be a political podcast, so <laughs> don't get offended. We're not saying, we're actually being respectful here. Yes. But if you, if you, if you look at the infrastructure bill that just happened, it was passed through the Senate. And then most of the stuff that is going to be approved already was approved through the parliamentary budget committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those was immigration and DACA might be included in that part as well. So like you were saying, every vote counts. Um, every vote. And, you know, I also co-sponsored a resolution calling on the Biden administration to establish a permanent pathway to citizenship. Mm-hmm. I really hope that the Biden administration does good on its promise mm-hmm. and really prioritizes immigrant rights. And um, that's important to me personally as the daughter of an immigrant mm-hmm. and someone who comes from a mixed status family um, and also to my district. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that he makes good on it. That's good. That's good. And one more question. It could be the last one. Cause I know we were in a little bit out of time <laughs> um, regarding the part of what you said, we were supposed, we were close to being the number 10 in the nation, but we're number 11. Platique me que pasó. 
displacement. That's a, you know, it's it. I mean, like it's affordability. People can't afford to live in Austin and they would prefer, you know, people have a, the dream to, to buy a house for their family. And when you have home prices here in Austin going for a hundred to 200,000 more than where, what they were a year or two ago, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to have to move out to the outer edges. And so, um, it's really unfortunate that displacement is at the level that it is, but we have to we have to do more and for our community. And we have to ensure that we're making it easier for folks to get around Austin, to live in Austin, to work in Austin. Um, and so, yeah, that that's the big thing. And that I don't think we really talk about that. And you know, everyone puts it like we're a growing city, where all these companies are coming here, right. but it's like, yeah, but we're also losing our people. Right. So we gotta talk about that more often. Displacement is that is that through uh, the zoning part or or what uh what is it in particular? You know, it is through um, prices. You know, affordability, like housing prices, is one end. Um, also, with property tax rates going up year after year, that also makes it challenging um, for individuals to stay in their home. So we, as a council, just a few months ago, passed a. a increase into our homestead exemption policy. So that's going to give um, homeowners a little bit of a tax break, you know, um, but it's, it's pro- housing prices coupled, you know, on top of the fact that wages aren't increasing at the level that they need to go up by um, to be able to afford a place here in Austin. So uh, you got to address both. We got to have employers that are willing and able to pay not a minimum wage, but a living wage. So how, you know, what the amount it takes to actually have a life and build a life in Austin. You know, because life is getting expensive. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you have chickens or cats. <laughs> uh, one more question. Um, sorry to keep you more than the time allowed. Um, the, the part of homelessness, that's, that's a, uh, I, I forgot to completely add it to this to the to the list of questions. What um what is going on? Because we want obviously we you know we want everyone there. Everyone is a human. You know we don't want people to be kicked out or you know in a place. And especially because there's a lot of mental health problems that are going on and 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 addictions. What um what are you, what is the city currently doing uh, in regards to that aspect? Because a lot of people seem to be growing more and more against, you know, homeless people being in, living in campings, uh, especially as they're moving more north. People are feeling more threatened of like, oh, they're moving into my space now. Well, I think what we can all agree on is that you know no one should be living in a tent on a street or in a park. You know that's not a way to live, and we're one of the most prosperous countries in the world, and we have billionaires who are making billions of dollars amidst a pandemic, and yet we have you know Austinites who cannot afford a home and are living on the streets, and that's not okay. And I think um, you know. City Council has taken a lot of strides. We uh, recently voted to put over a hundred million dollars toward addressing homelessness. Um, but it's not an issue that can be local government alone. It actually, it's so complex that it's going to take 
a lot of people at the table. It's going to take our nonprofits, our faith community, the business community um, to all work together to reduce homelessness. Um, And so, uh, you know, there was a new there have been changes in local laws and the state law, which takes effect September 1st. Mm -hmm. Um, that will ban public camping. And so um, what we're going to see, you're not going to be able to see homelessness um, because they're going to be banned from doing it publicly. Um, But where are they going to go? We know that they're, you know, we're still going to have individuals who are experiencing homelessness. So they're going to get pushed out into the woods, forests. Um, So it's, yeah, it's a tough issue. Tough one. It is. It is tough. Um, just one more question. Um, <laughs> and we keep saying that, right? Uh, what are you, uh, your uh, short-term and long-term goals for, for you? Yeah, you know, right now my focus is doing good by my community, by the people who have given me the greatest honor of a lifetime by electing me to be their representative. Um, and so we're going to be tackling displacement. That's one of our big issues. We're going to be talking about um, blood, blood resilience. Um, my community also has experienced significant amount of flooding and very large scale disastrous flooding events. Uh, so I want to make sure that we're um, addressing climate change and making sure that we have infrastructure that can handle weather event, extreme weather events. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also going to be looking at public health, you know, and right now with the vaccines, that's a lot of my focus. Um, but also looking at, you know, why is it that we don't have a full service hospital east of 35? Right. You know, that's not yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, especially when we know our communities of color live right predominantly there. east yes. of 35. Um, so there's a lot of big issues that I'm hoping to tackle. And and that's going to be my focus. Great. Are you going to go for for the major and then are you going to go, you know, become a state senator and then I'm hey, hey i'm and just then, focusing right now on the city council hey, hey, you know shoot high I, <laughs> hopefully we we get to see you more like right, you're sure. doing good from from you know from what you're talking where you're saying you have you're heading to the right path thank you um, and thank you for having me on it's been so nice to chat with y'all and to talk and hopefully one day i can see y'all in person <laughs> and come catch one of your your games one yes. of your matches yeah yes. yeah we'll we'll have we'll do a second part live uh after this variant we we you know we eradicate it or control it yes and we'll, we'll have some micheladas on yes the hey there you go <laughs> I thank like you it. thank you thank you for taking the time and, and talking to us we really appreciate that Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. Well, y'all have a good night. I appreciate it. Thank you. And everybody, this is Vanessa. Vanessa Fuentes, City Council woman. Can you share your social media with everyone? Yes, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Vanessa4ATX. That's Vanessa, F-O-R-A-T-X. Yes, Tane, para que la sigan. Y no le manden mensajes malos puros buenos por favor no por favor only compliments uh, okay um, so now we are gonna talk about soccer uh, we're gonna try to talk about soccer every other week as planned uh, Chaparro what are your impressions in regards to the team um, because we knew we knew it was an expansion team we knew it was a, it was a new team yeah um where the record is it's uh it's not the most favorable one favorable one yeah but 
what are you, what are your thoughts and how they are now playing mm-hmm. and what what can you say that can change or you can adjust personally well let me just tell you i'm i'm happy that we won last game that's that was uh necessary we needed to win that game i guess mm-hmm. um me acuerdo que llegué ahí y, y venía con ya negativo ya dije no vamos a perder o sea ya venía con esa mentalidad pero me alegro mucho que hayamos ganado. Uh-huh. Este, nos estamos viendo un poquito un poquito flojos, lo puedo decir así, porque ¿cuántos teníamos ya de perder? ¿Cuántos partidos, no? Ya uh-huh. llevamos muchos en, en, en línea de perder. Yo creo que este, el partido pasado que jugamos se vio una mejor cara, uh-huh. se vio un equipo más compacto, más sólido, pero... Pero sabes que lo, lo engañoso que es el equipo, porque yo casi siempre miro la idea o lo que quieren hacer, uh-huh. pero no les funciona. Ayer funcionó bien, bueno, ayer, el, el, ¿cuándo fue el, el, dom- el sábado? sábado? Este, funcionó, funcionó todo lo que hicieron. Uh-huh. Y, y por eso yo creo que ganamos el, el, el juego. Había hubieron cositas que, que pudieron cambiar, que... Por ejemplo, no, no tuvieron que habernos metido un gol. Uh-huh. Yo creo que nos faltó controlar mejor el partido al final y, y este hubiera sido una mejor, un mejor sabor de boca. Sí, um, lo, que, lo que siento que, que ayudó bastante fue el for- cambio de formación. Estaban jugando con 4-3-3, un contención tirado y luego se tiraba en medio de los defensas y quedaban como carrileros, ya sea... Pereira o, o este Pochettino y, y luego también vino la, la, vinieron también lesiones en, en, la, en lo cual pienso yo que cambió mucho cómo el equipo se paraba um, pero esta vez lo que ayudó mucho fue el 4-2-3-1 siento yo que, que Ring no quedó muy expuesto en la parte media porque él no es el único que acarrea la pelota de la defensa para para la, el otro, la, la parte ofensiva del equipo, porque tienen la ayuda de este Pereira. Y cuando se, se atacan, a cuando, cuando se paran a tratar de recuperar, ahí se vio que eran dos que estaban recuperando y moviéndose. Ah, es lo que siento yo que estuvo más cubierto. ¿O tú qué ves? Drews y creo que hizo un buen partido. Creo que fue como el que llevaba la orquesta. Uh-huh. Fue el que... El que... El que dio juego, al igual que Fagundes, Fagundes siempre de los mejores. Para mí, sí. cada partido, aunque perdamos, yo creo que para mí es el que siempre destaca, el que se mira más, el que, el que trata, el que, el que corre, el que. El, el jugador diferente. O sea, no le quiero quitar a, a, a este. A, ¿Cómo se llama el número 10? A, se me fue Cecilio. El Cecilio, a Cecilio. Cecilio lo trata también, pero yo creo que se mira más gustoso lo que hace Fagundes, simplemente por la posición en que juega. Y yo creo que eso hay que recalcarlo. Yo creo que muchos de los que nos escuchan están están de acuerdo conmigo decir que Fagundes es uno de los que que se echa al equipo. Aunque perdamos, como te digo, es el que más resalta en el juego. Es el que más corre. Sí, y Driuzzi es el que le está dando ahorita un poquito más de, de juego también, lo cual eso le va a ayudar a, a, a Fagundes a hacer otras cosillas como ayer, mira, ayer, y sigo diciendo ayer, como el sábado <risa> este, qué golazo que metió oye, sí. cabezazo y este, un buen pase también, uh, pero 
le va a dar un poquito más libertad. And the weird thing is, we have submit, we had mentioned this in the past. They can score goals, but it's just that it's weird because they can go without scoring three games, three games and then in, in one game they score more than three goals. I know it's and I mean uh, Portland, they they played it uh, last time too, and they they won. I think right. it was like what four. Four one, four one, uh-huh. and uh, we kind of knew. Well, most of us kind of knew that we needed, we, we were gonna win, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's just crazy. There, uh, Portland is in eighth place, and we're in twelfth place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make any sense. We're like, what? We're winning uh, against uh, Portland. Um, we're losing against Vancouver, and you know. It doesn't make any sense, but it's just like I guess the mentality and the uh, the idea of play when it comes to the games that it's um, that is hitting us in a different way. What do you think about Wolf? I feel like Wolf wants to wants an attacking uh, team, wants a a team that can hold the ball and pass the ball well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like sometimes we just too much of that, no shooting, you know, um, not uh, giving one player the liberty or take, or take something else or take or do something else mm-hmm. instead of doing everything that he said, you know. I think um, there's a lot of buildup, but not a lot of like assertiveness. Right. Le falta contundencia, mucha contundencia sí. les falta, especialmente a los de la, adelante que son los que meten los goles. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say this. Wolf is it's a good coach, but I feel like um, we probably need somebody with uh, a little bit more experience for future for the future because yeah, we're gonna probably keep seeing more of this. Yeah, you know, winning, losing three games, winning one, and it's probably what. Not people want to hear that, you know, not other people, but it's probably what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And the one thing that, that I, uh, I was looking at is his demeanor. He's actually a lot more tougher now than, than what he was. Yeah. The first, I don't know, 20 games. I mean, maybe 18 games. Like this past couple of games, he's been like on a roll. Um, talking more screaming more mm-hmm. now the one thing is and and when it comes to the team that i noticed on the game against uh vancouver mm-hmm. cecilio went out um in the 30th minute and he went out pretty much walked out of the field and that was not the best thing to do however you look at um this game like i'm, I'm pretty sure they had to have a heart to heart because Cecilio played a pretty good game. And with, with coaches, a lot of the times there's coaches that are not approachable as they should be. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I, it seems the, he seems to be the type that, that, uh, it's very approachable mm-hmm. when it comes up to, you know, talking to the players, um, especially when it's a new team, but, he also, I feel like he he he's not consistent with whenever you have to do lineups or whenever you have to play a game. He changes the 
lineups a little too much. Yeah. It, it, it almost seems like he's trying players, you know, which at that at this point of the season, I, I don't know if it's, it's the right thing to do. You should have like an 11, you know, player uh, set that, uh, of course, there's injuries and stuff, but I feel like there should be like a, at least eight started players that you already have in mind that you cannot move. The core. Yeah. The core, the core. Um And now a lot of the players are healed, so that's a good thing. Yes. You know, you Lima get, came back. Lima came back, so that that's always good, especially because when you're building a new team, especially now, it's any any injury affects you big time. Yes, yes. I mean Ben yeah. Sweat is someone that was supposed to start, but then if Ben Sweat would have been playing every game, then Komenich would have not had the season he's having. And for me, Komenich is having actually a very good season. He's doing pretty good. I like him, yeah. Um, but either way, um, I just feel like, um, I mean, the, the players need to take take advantage of their opportunities right when they get them. And, and, and I feel like the players that have been playing for people that got injured have been doing pretty good. And, and that's that's a good thing because they can, you know, they can always just stay there and, and, and hold its place on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, they gotta. I mean, the players at the end of the day, they have to step up to the plate when it's needed. Yeah, I know they do. I know they're they all try, professionals, but it's uh, a lot of times it seems hard. Um, one thing is, what do you think about the way Pochettino is playing? Because Pochettino, he had a very tough uh, beginning. Beginning, yeah. But then it feels like this past five games he's he's one of the ones that's been consistent you can see more of why he should be you know like but but you know you notice that he didn't start the, the game this past game right right so so i feel like that's that's kind of like helping him step up his game because he knows that now he's being left out you know he's, he's you're gonna challenged. be on the bench and 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 until you show me that you're a started player that you're uh a good player that we got because of your qualities and you start showing yourself, I feel like um, he's going to get the the opportunity again. And, and right now, I feel like whatever Wolf is doing, I think it's fine. So, man, I uh, I thought Cecino, Cecilio was going to be Cecina. Cecina. <laughs> Sorry, Cecilio. <laughs> uh, I thought Cecilio was going to be benched um, because of what happened. Mm-hmm. Because Toto seemed to be uh, meshing well with este Driussi. Yeah, so, but no, I mean, I don't know. That, I mean, I think it's good to rotate it every once in a while. Um, but I, I I am now wondering who's going to be the next one that's going to be taking a, you know, the bench. We, we really have to pay attention to what uh, Wolf is going to do, you know, especially for the following games. How many uh-huh. games do we have? Probably like three or four, you think? Left? Yeah. Uh, nah, left we got a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I got it right here. So the next game that we have is... Yeah, we got... It's on Sunday. FC Dallas. Against FC Dallas at home. Yeah. And then we play two away games against Vancouver and... Well, we got and seven Dynamo. games left. Well, home. But, home. home. Uh, but, like, overall, we still got a, a good chunk of season. And then for what the, the, stand, the standings are... Yeah. Then... Then we should be like yeah, because I don't think this one's um home, right? 
No, it's away. Well, I mean, yeah. home and away. Like the Dynamo, it's, it's going to be away. Right. So we're playing, uh, we're playing home mm-hmm. and then we're going to play two games away. Oh, that's right. And then we're going to play home two games in September 15th and 18th. Yeah. LAFC is going to be in the 15th and then San Jose on the 18th. And then we're going to play another game against Galaxy here on the 26th. Oh, there's a lot of games. And then, yeah, we got we got a good chunk. We got, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Games right there. 14 <laughs> games already. 14 times 17, 3. 17. 17 times 3. So we got, we got a good chunk. 21. Yeah, yeah we, we got a, I don't know, man. I mean, especially by the way the standings are. I mean, well, we're on 12th, 12th place right now, right? We're on on 12th. Yeah, so we're we're right there. <laughs> yeah, but but look at the uh, when look at San Jose standing, and a lot of the teams that we're gonna play later, mm-hmm. they're uh, they're pretty much direct. Uh, how do you call it? Those que valen de seis. <laughs> sí, pues, sí. I mean, if you look at, I mean, Portland. We we already we're not gonna play them again, I believe. Yeah, we put, we have one more. One more, okay. Yeah, at the end looks like. Oh yeah, the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another game, and that I mean, in, in that, we'll see how it goes there. Yeah. But um, I mean, if a lot of the the games that we're gonna have coming up, they're they're pretty much gonna be for that final spot. I would say the final two, because Minnesota, they you know they're como que ya se pararon un poco más. Galaxy ya se paró. Uh, but I think anything from the fifth to the seventh place, uh, that's going to be, that's still up in the air. How but, many do they go? Uh, to 14 times, 14 plus 34 games. 34, 35. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still a good, a good 15. Like we're still a little bit over half of the season left. Yeah, there's still a lot of games going on. So we, we still have a lot of stuff going on. That's yeah. I was like, I was looking at the standings on the case. Yeah. Ponen las pilas y ganan. Pues that's the thing, though. We need to keep looking and see what uh, Wolf yeah. is going to do, the, especially on on the starting level and see. Yeah. See if he makes the right the right decisions, you know. Si ganan los, los partidos directos, de, más que nada del, del 8 al 11, I mean, they got a chance. And they still have they have one more game less than FC Dallas and San Jose. So, like if you look at like at the standings right now, say they win, they win this game against FC Dallas, and everybody loses from Portland, LAFC, or ties, they they move up to you no. Know, it's it's a there's still there's still I I still I, I liga todavía sí, I liga todavía. Sí. Hay que, hay que mantenernos, este, hay que mantener la fe. Sí. Y esperemos que, que, que hagamos algo, algo diferente en los próximos partidos para, para llegar. What, uh, what do you think of, of overall as a, like a, as a community of soccer? Like, what do you think? Well, you know what, uh, the stadium, I miss the one against Vancouver. So I don't know how many people was, was there, but I feel like people still showing up. Um, obviously there's a lot of, uh, supporters that, that are getting mad and pissed because we're not winning and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like you said, we got to remember that, um, it's a brand new team. It's, um, it's a team that we got to be patient with and we got to support cause that's what they need right now. And I feel like people's been coming out to the stadium. I've seen a lot of people, I mean, not. Not the same as the beginning, but still a good amount of people is coming to the stadium. So that's, that's I mean, good. it's a good 
80% full. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a pretty, even on, on against Vancouver yeah. last uh, week, it was still a pretty good amount of people. You see, and then, I mean, that's good. Good for the team. Yeah. Um, good for the players. They can see that we're there with them, you know? Um, and I mean, I understand the fr- frustration too, you know, from supporters that we all want to win. We don't like losing. And, yeah. Um, obviously there's going to be a lot of people mad and, and we just got to remember new team got to support. Let's keep it. Let's keep it up. You know, but it's, uh, it's like we, we said in the past, it's so easy to, we can get mad and I, I everyone has the right to be mad. We I get mad, man. I get, I mad, get mad. Yeah. I get frustrated. Yeah. I, but then there's that, that respect of, you know, hearing, uh, before they go play. Nah, no vale madre, van a perder. It's like, yeah. Para que si van a perder. Stay home. I know. And that uh, was, that was me last game. I said that. I was like, I think because they, they asked me, and I was like, I think they're oh, going to yeah. lose. I said, but I didn't say it in a way that, you know, I said it. I think they're going to lose. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I, it's kind of weird. I, and opinions I respect. Right. I know everybody has the right to say whatever they want to say, but oh. Thing that the, the one thing we gotta do is, is it's like if you play a game, a, a playoff game on your own team, and you go out there with the losing mentality, you're gonna lose that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, I mean, definitely. Um, I'm always up for them. You know, I'm always I'm gonna be supporting them. Um, like I said, I'm I'm only human. I, I also you know get mad and, and don't feel like oh, they're gonna do good, but I always want them to do good. You know, right. Whether I'm negative or not, I always want them to, to do good. And here's the one, uh, one thing, one understanding that we're gonna get. Because if we look at it, how many of us have, like in a normal life, have sat down with a professional soccer player or a former yeah. soccer player and talked about a transition? Exactly. And la- the next week, uh, we're actually gonna have a conversation with one. Yeah. Um, next player. Yeah. So that's that's gonna be good. We. We're going to get to understand that process, you know, what's in their mind when they're, you know, aiming to be pros. Yeah. What's, what's the pressure like, you know, because yeah. that's a whole different level of pressure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, anything else you want to add to this, this, uh, podcast, Chaparro? It went messy. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, uh, I knew it was going to come one day, but I didn't know it was going to be this close. Yeah. It's crazy how that everything happened. And I'm just good i'm thankful for for like being able to see him play in barcelona and my team um i'm i'm a barcelona fan so i'll, I'll be supporting them um i like to watch a messy game for sure when mm-hmm. he plays just to see how it's gonna do mm-hmm. but like i said I'm, I'm a lot of people were asking me are you gonna be a psg fan now and i told him no i i was a barcelona fan before messi was even in barcelona so like Oh yeah, a lot of people were asking. Yeah, about. so like I, I'm gonna stay with Barcelona. That's my team. So, I mean, I hope everything goes well for him, you know, and wish him the best. But and that's with Barca. yeah, that's the one thing, man. It's uh, I think for a lot of us is, I mean, I, Cotón Blanco when he left, that was like I was not, I was not happy soccer wise for a good. It took me about. I didn't watch soccer from 2007 to 2008. Like I really, I hardly paid attention to that season because Squaw wasn't in America. So I mean, it hits hard. Like a lot of people say, man, it's just a player. Like no, dude. I mean, it's a player. Yeah. Well, so, I've been I've been watching the Barca games. I mean, they're yeah. they're looking 
they, they're looking okay. They still need it work, but um, yeah, they're 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 getting there. I feel like, and uh, I'm crossing my fingers, man. Um, I know it's gonna be tough, but we can get through it. Yeah, man, and you know, as long as those classicals come, and I know they get it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we need to win the classicals. But it's gonna be a different dynamic. Um, Even yeah. for the other team, it's gonna be. I mean, they're yeah. they're not gonna have. They're not gonna have Messi that is gonna be dribbling, you know, dribbling them and scoring goals. So it's it's gonna be different, you know, the way they play. Yeah, know? exactly. I I can see that they're gonna be think they're gonna be having a completely different right uh, feeling. They were of, they were used to just defending or being alert on one player. Now it's it's literally the eleven players that they have to be I, careful. I think know? we did see a little bit of uh, that this past week with uh, Athletic. And Barcelona, um, they Athletic seem to be playing more offensive, um, controlling the game. But luego las que llamaron le metió Barcelona, those uh, they have to actually be careful for them. So I mean, yeah, the, it's it's. I feel like it's a little bit of the same. Like defending, we we're pretty bad at defending, and yeah. it's still there. It's it's not looking good. Uh, we really need a good central defender. We really need. Yes, we need a good central defender. But there's a lot of Liga por delante. There's a lot of, todavía hay mucha Liga en la MLS para Austin FC también. Entonces, vamos a estar pendientes. Vamos a estar viéndolos. Y va, hay muchos episodios todavía de otra, por favor, también. Así que hay que seguir viéndonos. Por favor, escúchenos. Vayan a visitar la página web que tenemos. Otra, por favor, com. Sí, y ahí portense bien y... No se olviden. No se olviden. Ahí están. Gracias. Vale. Buenas noches. Adiós.